more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's word today. I'm so thankful. Uh, there's so many things I'm thankful for. And, you know, they always say, don't spend a lot of time um, in your introduction, you know, doing things that you feel like you have to do to honor somebody or to honor a church. But, um, you know, this, this will most likely be my last Sunday here before I move. I've been uh, flying up to Toledo. Last, last Sunday was my first Sunday preaching up there, and I'll be flying up uh, three more weekends throughout the year, and then uh, I'll have Christmas and, and all those things. And I just really want to take this moment to let you know how special Four Points Church is. If, you're, if this is the first time that you've been here, is this, if this is your first time visiting and coming into Four Points, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. And there was something that jumped in my spirit and in my heart the first time I walked in here, and I knew that it was the place that I needed to be to continue to grow and become all that God has called me to become. And I just want to take a moment and honor Pastor Mark, Leah, and the whole team and all of you here today because it's not just the preaching, it's not just the pastor. It's everybody here that has made, there's so many people that have made an impact on my life just through kindness and friendship and encouragement, a smiling face, and, and man, it has meant so much to me to be able to be a part of Four Points Church here, and I just wanna, I just wanna say thank you. And there was, I was desperate for a place like this where I was a year and a half ago, and God brought me here, and uh, it's been a, a place that has exponentially grown me in my relationship with the Lord. So I honor you, honor, honor pa our, our pastor. Can we clap for our pastor and our leadership here? I love you. I love this church. This church is significant to what's going on in the world today. And you, this isn't a normal thing, y'all. And I think most of you know that. What's going on here in this church is not a normal thing that you can find in every church, but God's got his hand on this ministry, and uh, he's got his hand on every heart, every soul that's in the building today, and uh, I'm excited for what, for what he's doing in the life of this church and in, uh, and in our lives together and this morning. Let's go ahead and jump into the Word. Does that sound good with everybody? I believe there's, I can feel the power and strength of, of God in my spirit this morning, and I'm, uh, I kind of want to, I kind of got a lot of excitement. I'm trying to hold it back just a little bit. I don't know how much longer that I can hold it back, but um, it's going to be a good morning in, in God's house today. And let's look at the scripture. Let's look at Psalm 100. We're going to start with verses 3 through 5 in Psalm 100. Like this, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. 
for the Lord is good. Now, I need to stop right there and talk a little bit about this word good. Because good is a state of being. It's good in every sense of the word. It cannot, it really cannot be measured. If you study the word good in the Hebrew or in the Greek, you'll see that it's a word without measure. You really cannot contain or describe or define this word good. It's good in its essence. It's good in its nature. It's inherently good, meaning there's nothing that can take good from it. And when it says, for the Lord is good, it means he is good all by himself. He don't need nobody else to call him good to be good. He don't need nobody else to think that he's good for him to be good. In fact, it's his goodness that allowed us to even enter into what we're in this morning, that allows us from different, different back, uh, backgrounds, different upbringings to step into the same room together is evidence of his goodness. He's good no matter what anybody thinks uh, about him or if anybody else can see that he's good. It's his goodness that allows him to pursue us down through the ages. It's his goodness that allows us. See, the, the love of God is not necessarily seen in what he can prevent. It's not seen uh, as much as it is, as much as his love and his goodness is seen in what he is able to redeem. It wasn't that if he would have prevented us from falling into sin, human from falling into sin there with Adam and Eve, then the relationship would not have been real. It would not have been authentic. It would not have been love responding to love. And he was so good in, in himself and so secure in himself that he did not have to force Adam and Eve to do what he asked them to do. And when they made the wrong decision in deception, it was his goodness. Even when Adam and Eve questioned the goodness of God and Satan deceived them to question the goodness of God, he still remained good. He did not abandon his plan. And all down through the ages, he pursued you. If you could catch a glimpse of God's goodness this morning for you and how he pursued you, the whole Bible was written to us to show how he pursued you down through the ages. And when he rescued Joshua, he was, he was rescuing you. When he rescued Joseph out of that pit, he was rescuing you. When he redeemed Ruth, he was rescuing you. And if you could catch a glimpse of the goodness of God, that he didn't need anybody else to call him good, he was good all by himself, and he was going to reveal that to us no matter what it took. So for the Lord is good. And when I have to just take a second and thank him for how good he's been to me, for how he pursued me, how he called a, caused a man named Rick Gorman to introduce me to the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he saved me and how he rescued me out of sin and how he followed me down through my life and pulled me up when I fell and rescued me when I messed it all up and put me back in a place where I could stand strong and firm. The Lord is good and I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. His loving kindness is everlasting. There's no end to it. We cannot come to the end of his loving kindness for us and his faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Now let's go to Matthew 18, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to... I'm not going to print. There's a lot of scripture in Matthew 18 through 20. And I believe that it shares the same context and a point that God is trying to uh, teach us and share with us. So we're going to look at that today. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them. Now, Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 10. This is uh, the, the verses before this is when Jesus is given the parable about the vineyard, the landowner who goes to the marketplace and he hires uh, people out to come and work in the vineyard. And then every, every few hours he's going and he's hiring more until he hires at the 11th hour, the last group. When those hired first came, they thought that they, this was at the end of the day. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius or a day's wage. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. While you're seated, will you just reach across and grab hands of the person next to you? God, this morning, we thank you for what it means to be in your presence and to hear your word. No one is here by accident this morning. You're pursuing them as you have been for all time. God, reveal to us your goodness, your generosity. Reveal to us the power that you exercised to allow us to sit in the same room, hold each other's hand this morning. I realize that I'm holding hands with somebody who is divinely significant, who was fearfully and wonderfully made, made for a purpose, and they're not here by accident this morning. You have something to say to them. And Lord, I pray that their heart would be open to receive it. And Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Demonstrate your power to us this morning. Demonstrate your love to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk this morning to you about common ground. Common ground. Being able to stand together on common ground. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have and that we've always had as human beings and a part of the human condition is, is to be able to stand on common ground with one another. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. It's my favorite holiday, my favorite time with my family. We get a few days to, to sit around, you know, eat a lot of good food, don't have a whole lot a whole lot to do, you know, so we're just sitting around eating, watching football, having a good time together, and, and that's what my family does, and, and we, we got a big family that gets together, love spending time with each other, love to, love to joke around with each other, and, uh, you know, we get to experience a lot of things and, and express our gratitude to each other. Well, I was thinking about the first Thanksgiving, you know, that started it here, and what we learn in, uh, in elementary school, you know, with Squanto and the Pilgrims coming together and, and, and standing on common ground with each other. They found a way to, to stand on common ground. And even, apart, even with the differences in their culture, 
the difference in their upbringing, their ethnicity, their heritage, that they were able to find a common need and able to stand on common ground together. Pocahontas and Captain Smith were able to get together and, and figure, figure that thing out. But all down through history, we've been, we've, we can look and we can see how one of the biggest challenges that we face on earth is how do we stand on common ground with one another? How do, we be, how do we begin to really, in our heart, value a person that is different than us? While, we're we, while God has weaved us together and made us different and intricately uh, put us together and designed us, and he exhibits his creativity, demonstrates his creativity in the way that he designs us differently, that the same God, the same creative God that created me is the same creative God that created you. And how do we get to the place where we really understand that? And, and I want to start by hitting just a little bit. It's a touchy subject, but that's okay. But when we talk about equality and, and justice and the challenges that we face today, it's not, it's not a new problem. It's still the same old problem. It's still the same old problem that the Jews and the Gentiles had. It's the same old, it's the same old problem that has been passed down through the ages, how do we stand on common ground with each other? And the thing that I like, Albert Einstein said that the problems that we face today cannot be solved on the same level that we, that we created them. That in order for us to, to move to common ground, we have to go to a next level. We have to go to a place that we haven't been before. We have, to, we have to start from a different place. Perhaps the place we've been building from has been wrong. And when we have all these different prejudices and all these different injustices, and, and it's more than just a black-white thing, y'all. It is a black-white thing, but it's more than that. All over the world, just uh, this week, I read an article that was saying how there was a, a tribe in the Amazon that because of the welfare and safety of their tribe and of their children, that they have decided to take on the belief of Islam so that their kids will be safe and not killed. That they've been threatened to change their whole belief system so that they can live. That's a problem. That's not right. That's not standing on common ground. And anytime that you use the name of your God to force somebody else into, into, into doing something, that has nothing to do with the power of God and the love of God. That has nothing to do with the dignity of another human being and the value of another human being. Just this week, I saw that slavery is still active all over the world. That there was a human being that was being sold for $400 just this week in another part of the world. There's sex trafficking that goes on and there's all kinds of injustices and inequalities that still exist all over the world. And I believe that we can do something about it in Jesus' name. I believe that through the power of the name of Jesus that we can do something. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that he, those who were far off, he brought near by his blood, breaking down the dividing wall of hostility and allowing us to dwell in unity together and share common ground. That's one thing that I love. I think that's what this text through Matthew 18.1 to the end of Matthew 20 is, is saying to us. They begin with the question, who is the greatest? Perhaps you've asked that question, and I hope in your heart as a follower of Jesus that you have a desire to be great. 
I hope that you have a desire to be exceptional, above average. A disciple, someone who calls upon the name of Jesus, should be a standard. It should be a standard bearer in the earth. That we should not be, call ourselves Christians and be the last person to show up to work. We shouldn't, be the, the, we shouldn't be able to call ourselves Christians and not do an excellent job in what we're tasked to do. That we should demonstrate excellence in everything that we do. We should have a desire to be great. And so when, they, when Jesus hears this, this question, he kind of takes a long circle and a loop around to be able to answer it. He begins to walk with them and share some illustrations with them. Because the question here with who is the greatest and with what the last verse that we read there in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16 is that I want the first to be last and the last to be first. He's demonstrating to us that we need to focus more on equality and what we can share together more than anything else. And when we talk about giving thanks and the goodness of God and the generosity of God, then that, that's what comes to The reason that I can stand being a person who grew up in StarTex Mill Village, all right, and I could stand in the same room and be in the same place with all of you is because of the generosity and the goodness of God. The reason that we can come from different places, different upbringings, different challenges, different races and ethnicities is that the power of God has brought us together. That the things that were created to separate us that, or that the enemy uses to separate us does not have any power over what God has done to join us together. And so when we come together, I, I'm just wowed by the goodness of God, the generosity of God. And he asked a question when, the, when, those, hired, when those that were hired first came. He asked a question to them. Is it not okay that I do as I please with what is mine? Did, is this not what we agreed upon, that you receive a one day's wage for your work? And why does it matter to you if I give to the last one the same that I give, as you, give to you? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Is your eye envious or is your, is your heart bent towards misery? Is your heart bent towards evil and bad? Because I am generous. And that word generous translates to active goodness. So it's not just that he's good, it's that he's actively good. I'm glad that God who sits in the heaven and he's good all by himself, that he's not just good, but he's actively good. Meaning he's trying to find a place in the earth. He's trying to find a place in our hearts. He's trying to demonstrate that goodness to us every day, that he acts upon his nature. That he's not somebody who just comes and has the power to, to do good and sits on his hands and says, I wonder what's going to happen. But he takes, good, he takes action out of the goodness that he is to be able to bring us into it every single day. I hope that as I'm preaching this morning that, you can, that God will begin to place in your mind and in your memory that you'll remember all that God has done to pursue you. And even if this is your first time hearing the gospel, all that God has done to pursue you, to get you into this place this morning because of how good he is and how generous he wants to be with, to you. And I think there's some things that block us from, from seeing this. I think there's some things that block us from receiving this generosity that God has for us, and it, it comes down to uh, whether we will count our rights or our responsibilities. 
One of the challenges that we face and while we still live on unequal terms with so many people around us is that we begin to count our rights before we do our responsibilities. We begin to count all the things that we have a right to. This is what happens in Matthew chapter 18. And Pastor Mark mentioned this verse a few weeks ago and where he's talking about Jesus. They asked Jesus, should, how, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Let me tell you a story. There was this guy who was in debt. And he was, he was a slave to a landowner. And he was in debt. And the landowner came to collect the debt from him. And this guy did not have the means to, to pay his debt. And so he begged before this landowner that he would receive mercy so that his debt would be, would be forgiven. And the landowner moved with compassion and mercy and forgives him of his debt and frees him from it so that he can be free. So this guy who has just received the generosity from his master is just, and this is an example to us. This is how we are. When God, we receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God that sometimes we get too big for our own britches. We make ourselves out to be more than we are and we start to count our rights instead of remembering all that God has done for us. We think that it's something that we deserve rather than something that is a privilege because of what he's given to us. And this landowner, I mean, this, uh, this slave had another slave who o- owed him something. It was, it was so much more significantly less than what he owed his landowner. And the same thing happened. This, uh, this other, this peer began to beg for mercy, and he said, no, I'm not going to forgive you. You're going to have to pay back all that you owe me. And when, it, when, when, the, when uh, Jesus finds, or when the landowner finds out, he, he gives him over to torment to be tortured because he did not extend mercy as he had received mercy. So I think one of the challenges that we face in our life is when we go to interact with other people, we like to count what we have the right to before we like to consider where the other person is coming from and to extend the generosity that was given to us to somebody else. I think that's something that God wants us to grow in, that he wants us to be able to extend the same mercy and forgiveness that God has extended to us to somebody else. I'm afraid that we've gotten to the place where we fell more in love with our opinion than we have the truth. And my opinion is not the truth. I'm afraid that we've come to the place where we've fallen more in love with our opinion than we have somebody that God has intricately designed and created for a time and a place such as this. And so the problems that we face externally are really not solved externally. They're not solved through more legislation. They're not solved through making more rules and regulations. They're solved on a level that is different from the level that we created them on. They're solved on a personal level of our heart. The problem is a heart issue. It's an it's a le- it's a, it's a, it's a untapped, untouched area of our heart that we have not allowed the power of the gospel to transform. That we have not allowed the goodness and the generosity of God to touch it, tap into and transform. And if we're going to be the type of people that give thanks and that are praising the name of God and declaring his goodness and seeing his faithfulness go to every generation, then we're going to have to take a moment and just thank God for his generosity, to continue to focus on how good he is to us. It doesn't matter what you call me, I can treat you right. It doesn't matter what uh, what, what lie you tell about me, I can treat you right. 
It doesn't matter how you think about me, how you perceive me. I can treat you right. Because the truth is that I could not cover my own debt. And the debts that I still have, I still cannot suffice on my own. And I'm okay with that because I know who, who suffices for my debt. I know who paid the price. I know who gave his life for a ransom. I know who redeemed me. And I know whose precious blood is still speaking on my behalf before God the Father today. And so I'm okay. I'm, I'm secure in your negative opinion of me. I'm secure that you do not, that you misunderstand me and where I'm coming from. I'm secure even if you've misjudged me. Because I understand the generosity and the goodness of God that brought me to a place of balance. He brought me out of the red and back into the black. I had a place of balance that I can live on a level playing field because of his goodness. And then that causes me to extend that to you, that there may be lack and there may be debt and there may be discontent, and there may be downheartedness, and there may be discouragement, there may be brokenness, there may be heartaches, offense, all these other, other things, and all I want to do is to extend the same generosity to you that was extended to me, that our, where the playing field becomes level. And we can share common ground together. Now, I will not give the power of offense or the power of, a, of, a, of ignorance or the power of wrong thought to steal away from me what God has done for me and for you. I still believe that what God gave in his blood was enough for my lack and yours. And I believe that it, there's nothing that I can do to stop it, and I don't want to be a part of keeping you separate from it. I want to be a part of extending that generosity and that active goodness towards you. I can be actively good towards you if you cuss me out. I can be actively good towards you if you hate my guts. I'm so thankful that God was actively good to me when I rejected him. You can reject me, and I can still be actively good to you. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. You can turn your back, but I can still be actively good because of the power of God's love for me and his generosity for me. And then that begins to transform my life. There's another text there. And you've got some homework to do if you're going to capture this in your heart. And I hope it makes you hungry for the Word of God and that God's Spirit will reveal to you His truth in this. But you come along a little bit further, and he's, he began, Jesus begins talking about the rich young ruler. So there's, there was a rich young ruler who asked a question, Jesus, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, there is no one good except my Father in heaven. Obey my commandments, and you'll be doing fine. And so he, he says, which commandments should I obey? And Jesus names six of them. And the rich young ruler says, from my youth up, I have obeyed these commandments. He says, you do good. Now go and sell all that you have. And give it to those that are in need. And your Father who has treasure in heaven will give it to you. And the rich young ruler walks away downhearted and discouraged. And his disciples are discouraged. They're like, man, Jesus, if, if this is true, 
then who in the world can in, in who can, who in the world can enter eternal life? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And in order for us to be generous and to be actively good, and to see, I think it's the next level. I, I just keep hearing that word in my preparation, and, and this word's been stirring in my heart for about a, a month and a half now since Pastor Mark and I have been, uh, been talking about it, and there's so much that's in my heart for it, but I just keep hearing this next level. There's a next level for Four Points Church. There's a ne- and and this, these are the things that we need to, in our heart, be able to build upon if we're going to go to the next level. Jesus wasn't tell, telling the rich young ruler that you, uh, it's not good to have possessions. He was telling the rich young ruler it's not good for possessions to have you. If we're going to be generous, we have to realize that, I love the, uh, the culture point, we are, we are open-handed. When I open my hands to receive all that God has for me, then I know that every, James 1:17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I realized that every good gift that I have, everything that is in my hands came from God. And if it came from God, if I let it go, there's no end to to what he can get back to me. See, generosity allows me to know that if I let it go, there's more that is coming to me. There's more that is prepared for me. Jesus goes on after the rich young ruler and he says, there's not a disciple who's left father, mother, sister, brother, anybody that's not going to get their reward in full in heaven. He's saying that if we could exchange the things that we think belong to us and are ours for a greater value, then we'll store up treasure in heaven, which will be ours for eternity. And if we're able to release it and stay open-handed and say, God, you gave it to me, and I can see that this person needs this extended to them, and I'm going to extend it to them, and I'm believing. It's a principle. It's a principle. We see it all throughout the Bible. There's always seed time and harvest. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Proverbs chapter 11 says that there is one who withholds, yet he perishes. And there is one who scatters all the more, and he increases. The generous man will prosper in his way. It's a spiritual law that if you stay open-handed, and it says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That generosity, if I'm generous to you, then it's going to find its way back to me in money or what money can't buy. So I can be generous with kind words. I can be generous with the resources that God has entrusted to me. It's a mindset shift because my rule of law, listen, for equality to take place and us to live on common ground, there must be a rule of law that established. And my rule of law is Jesus. My rule of law comes from the highest authority that there is. It's higher than a president, than a king, than a dictator. It's, it's the highest authority that there is. And my rule of law comes from Jesus who sat in heaven and he came to the earth so that heaven and earth could be dwell together on common ground. That the same God that dwells in the heaven is the same God that dwells on the earth. And every time that we choose to be generous, God is entering in to where we are and expressing himself and bringing us on common ground. 
That's good preaching right there. Jesus came so that we could be on common ground with God again. That we can dwell together in unity and in oneness with him. And every person, every heartache, every person that has experienced injustice in their life, that is the one thing that has the power to redeem it, that it reigns on the just and on the unjust. And that God is a God of justice. And I can keep entrusting myself to him who judges righteously. So if we're going to be generous and we're going to go to the next level in our walk with God, and with what God is calling us to do is, I love that we're uh, feeding people turkeys and frying turkeys. It's a lot of fun too, right? It's a whole lot of fun because you come together, deep frying those turkeys, experience the day together. You get to, everybody gets, everybody is bringing something to contribute to it. It's fun to be able to serve God and be generous. generous. You can have a good time and serve God. And I love that, that that's the next level type of thing that, in every way that we can, we're bringing all our resources to extend the goodness and provision of God to those around us. Yeah. Need to move a little bit quicker here. Uh, and then he comes. Then he comes to this, the parable here of the landowner. And he he, he says that they were all dwelling in the marketplace looking for work, and by the goodness of God, he comes and finds them when they weren't looking for him. That's the testimony of every believer in this room, that he, and perhaps somebody who doesn't know him today, that he, you're here today because he was looking for you when you weren't looking for him. And he comes with that open-handed, and he comes reaching out, saying, hey, you come be a part of what I'm doing. Man, look at all the fruit that they're gathering. Look at how they're gathering the harvest. Man, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let me go back. Hey, why don't you come and be a part of what I'm doing? And then they go to work, and they're getting after it. And God is doing incredible things. And then all the way into the 11th hour, he goes and gets those last people and says, Why are you still here? And they say, No one hired me. If we could see that in the human condition that we were all without action and without purpose, until he came and rescued us and gave us value and dignity. And if we could see that that's what gives us, puts us on equal terms and on an equal playing field. And that's why God wants to give to the last the same that he gave to the first because it was never about you getting ahead and it was never about you being the greatest that there was. It was about you receiving his generosity and stepping into all that he has for you. And he extends the hand and they're mad and is your eye envious because I'm generous? I believe that's the last thing. You know, I, I, I had to, when I became a coach at Woodruff High School, I had to uh, become a bus driver. <laughs> and uh, I need, I see my buddy Dan back here. He's my video crew. Everybody check out Dan. Raise your hand, Dan. That's my buddy Dan. So every time I have to drive for a field trip or something, he and I end up making a video uh, or something about what it, what you need to do to be a bus driver is pretty ridiculous. Uh, don't send it. Don't go asking him to see it. Nobody needs to see it. <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. But I was thinking about in order to go to the next level, in order to transport precious goods 
you know, whether it's somebody who's driving a transfer truck, in order to transport the goods, you have to pass a tougher test. And I think the toughest test for us to pass is that to not be envious when God is blessing somebody else around me. To not be envious and downhearted when God is extending his generosity to somebody else who has the same fundamental needs that I have. And because that, and we, when we pass that test, that's when God entrusts us with more. That's when we reach other people more. That's when more people be, begin to stand on the same common ground with us. You know, you have to do all these hours of driving. You have to pass multiple tests to get your CDL because you're transporting something. You're transporting children. Man, I think it's something. My mom is a, a, has been a bus driver for, I think, 18 or 19 years. And she, bus drivers are something else, man. They have to get up early, super early, and then they're driving in the afternoon and getting up when it's cold, getting that bus rolling, making sure kids get to and from school safely each and every day. That's a big responsibility. And instead of counting their rights, they're counting their privileges of what they get to do and what they get to be a part of and getting people safe to, uh, safely to and from where they're going. That's what God has invited us into. But we have to be able to pass those, the test, to be able to transport the goods, to be entrusted with more. We have to be able to pass those tests to get us to the next level. You can never go to the next level without passing the test, no matter what it is. If you want to go to college, you've got to pass the standardized test and get that score. You've got to. If you want to drive a bus... You got to pass the test for the CDL. You got to crawl up under that bus and name all the parts. I don't know why you do that, because if the bus breaks down, I ain't getting up under that bus <laughs> and figuring it out. But here's the other thing I like about it what you do on one level, you can do on another. If you can make a free throw in middle school basketball, you can make a free throw in high school basketball, in college basketball in professional basketball because the free throw line is the same distance away from the goal and the goal is 10 feet high. And if you can do it on one level, you can do it on the other. If you can make a first down in peewee football, you can make a first down in the pros. It's first and 10. You got, you got four downs to get 10 yards. 100-yard field, 10-yard end zones. Boundaries are the same. If you can do it on one level, you can do it on another. And if we would take the time to get into our hearts and allow the generosity of God to truly transform our lives, I mean to sit with it, to sit with the goodness of God for a moment and really think about what, what he did to pursue you and what he did to bring you into common ground, that we get to share the same ground as holiness, as perfection, as righteousness. And see, being right, there, there's levels of righteousness. There's right as it is according to my opinion, <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't too good. There's right as it is opposed to wrong, like a multiple choice. There's right as it is in the eyes of the majority. But then there's right in the power to touch what's wrong and make it right. And that's the righteousness of God. 
that the wrong in me was touched by the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is so powerful that it rights my wrongs. And so I don't have to limit you because of the wrongs that you have done. I don't have to limit you because of where you've wronged me. I don't have to limit you by checking out a snapshot of a moment where you were at your worst. But I can extend the power of the righteousness of God to you. And you know what? The same righteousness of God that brought me where I am today is the same righteousness of God that's going to bring them through. And they're going to be standing in victory. We're not going to be at odds with each other. They're going to become all that God's called them to be. And I can do that with, with full conviction. I'm not threatened. I'm not threatened by somebody that's different than me, somebody who sees things different than me, somebody who believes different than me. Because I trust who Jesus is. And he's good all by himself. He's good all by himself. I want to close today by looking at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, Paul writes, consider Jesus. Have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who did not regard equality with God something to be grasped close handed he, 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 he denied his full right and privilege of being on the same ground as God so that we could share the same ground so that heaven and earth could share the same ground so that the things that separate us from God would have no power over us. There's things in your life today that you've thought and you've, you've given way and maybe you've seeded and you've given, you've given them power over your life and your distance from God. But I need you to hear today that God in his generosity and his goodness filled every gap that you have. He closed the gap. Considered equality with God, not something to be grasped. And in verse seven, but he emptied himself. taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, sharing identity, dwelling on common ground, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How generous you must be to give up your right and your privilege so that somebody else can have right and privilege. We are common in that we could not suffice for our own debt. And when we are receive what God has for us in his generosity and goodness, we are common in that we share the same inheritance, whether you were first or whether you were last. And Jesus changes the game at the end of Matthew 20, and they, he says, you have heard it said that the greatest among you are the, those who lord it over you. It is not so with you. I love your desire to be great. You should be exceptional. You should be great. You should be great in generosity. You should be great in the demonstration of the excellencies of God. 
But let me tell you what it is. The greatest among you will be the servant. And the servant has to have a heart that's grateful. Otherwise, he's stingy. She's stingy. She's envious. We say yes to you this morning, God. God, we're so thankful for your generosity. We're so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful that you did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped, but you emptied yourself. You've emptied yourself. And God, I believe that today there's people under the sound of my voice that are going through tests, tests in relationships, having, having trouble seeing common ground in their home, in their marriage, having trouble finding common ground with people that are different than them that they work with. And God, today that, that can change. It can change in a moment. It can change in one decision. It can change with an awareness of your generosity. Uh, we did not deserve to stand on the same ground as you, but you made a way. And the generosity makes a way. I just want to know who I'm praying with today. I'm not going to ask you to move, but I believe that there's some people that are going through tests. And I want you to just lift your hand. If you're going through tests and challenges, the common ground is hard to find in, in some aspect of your life with somebody, and we're just gonna believe God. I'm just gonna join my faith with you. God, you see every hand that's raised, and more importantly, you see every heart. And God, I join my faith today, believing that you are bringing us in to common ground. First, common ground with you. Every lie that would come and threaten the thought life of a, every soul, every person in this room, God, be demolished and destroyed now in the name of Jesus. That there is no separation between you and us because of what was done for us in Jesus. And I pray, Father, for a heart. If there's a heart that is receiving the love and generosity of Jesus for the first time, God, that they would make their move, that they would go talk to somebody at the Next Steps desk when we leave this service. And God, for every person who needs forgiveness, every person who needs to forgive, God, grant it to them now in this moment. Set their heart free. Open their hands. Open their hearts. And God, we know that what is coming for, for them, coming to them, is greater than what is leaving their hand and what is leaving their heart. They will pass the test. They will stand on common ground. Relationships reconciled in Jesus' name. And God, give us the power as a church to bring people into this ground in which we stand. Do not let us sit on our hands, but let your active goodness be demonstrated by everything that we do, every part of our service, every part of our gathering, every part of our interaction with the community. Use us to be a church that takes it to the next level. God, we're stepping into a next level. Four points is stepping into a next level, God. 
And we declare it today that there is common ground, that the land that we are taking, the land that you are giving us is common ground for every heart and soul in our state of South Carolina to be able to stand in your goodness and in your mercy and in the revelation of you and that things will never be the same. We believe it. We say it is so. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.